Okay, today's guest on Kowalski Analysis is none other than Anthony Trucks, and he is a formal, former NFL athlete, American Ninja Warrior on NBC, international speaker, host of the All Shift podcast, and the founder of, founder of Identity Shift Coaching. He uses cutting-edge science and psychology to upgrade how you operate so you can elevate your life and business to reach your full potential. After being, after being given away into foster care at three years old, being adopted into an all-white family at 14, losing his NFL career to injury and more, he learned how to shift at a very young age, and now his life mission is teaching others how to make shift happen in their lives. He teaches people to expand who they are, to reach their full potential, and which is why he created Identity Shift, a company focused on helping people close their identity gaps that are responsible for their shortfalls in potential and lack of success. He helps them find out who they truly are and develop into what they want to be so they can do the hard things easier, which means more success in all areas of, of their life. Welcome to Kowalski Analysis, Anthony Trucks. Hey, man. Thank you for having me. Is that weird when people it's introduce weird. like that? No, it's what it is. What it is. <laughs> I mean, I've, I've had people uh, read the full thing like that, but people just make their own thing. I don't know. I'm here. <laughs> as long as people know who I am, that's all that works. That's all that matters, honestly. I appreciate you coming on, man. Yeah, of course. I was watching your uh, interview with Tom Billu earlier, mm -hmm. and just um, your story really is incredible, man. Like the stuff that you've overcame, and mm -hmm. uh, would love to really kind of talk about some of that. So, you were uh, you were your mom gave you up for adoption at three years old, right? Yeah, me and my three siblings. So, as uh, four of us, all got kind of kicked off into the system. Do you uh, are you connected to your siblings? No, I am. So uh, it's interesting. It's about what you expect for people that are siblings but didn't grow up together. Right. So we love each other, but we're not super close. I think my sisters are probably closer to each other. Well, they, I say those three. Those three have a same dad. I'm the only one with like, my own you know, singular dad and same mom. So we kind of had interesting backgrounds. But I know where they live. Uh, I keep in touch periodically. But you know, overall, yeah, it's an interesting dynamic, man. I love them. We do have contact with each other for sure. I get it. I have a half sister down in Florida and uh, we were raised in the same, in the different States. So, mm -hmm. you know, kind of talk once or twice a year, you know? Yeah. Yeah. No <laughs> love loss, love them. But it's like, it's, it was interesting, yeah. you know, not having like my kids when they say brother, sister will have a vastly different connection because they, they're always with each other. It's a different relationship built. Now do they get adopted by the same family no, all different families. Yeah, all of us were all different families. Y'all, y'all split up. Mm -hmm. Now, I'm, you know, definitely want to talk about what it was like being raised in an all-white family. Um, you know, being adopted at 14 years old. Um, but I'm curious, did did you reconnect with your mother later in life? Mm, no, yes, I did, but no, at the same time, when I was 14, was like the last time I. I remember like hearing from her because I had to go to court and I'd pretty much look her in her eyes and say, you know, I no longer want you to be my mom anymore, which is uh, severing parental rights so I could be adopted. So I was 14 on a, on a stand in Martinez, California, looking at this lady. It was super weird because like still my mom, you know, and then sure. didn't hear from her until I was 18. And when I was 18, about to get a scholarship for college, somehow she had caught wind. I don't know how. And, uh, and called me and asked for one of my kidneys and for me to come live with her in Jacksonville, Florida. She's a very interesting, she's not a very sound of my human. So this is her, I'm gonna, I'm gonna die in six months if you don't give me a kidney. Like, I considered it too, I was like, no. <laughs> I was no. like, no. 
Yeah, I take my take my football career away. Yeah, it was weird. Then two years later, somehow she found my phone number. I went to school in Oregon. I got, I got a scholarship for football there, and she uh, and she ended up going with my my grandma, her mom, somewhere like two hours north of Eugene in a town called St. Helens, and uh, they got my number somehow randomly and started calling and. You know, they wanted to come to, to games. And anyway, so I had a son my sophomore year of college and she wanted to see him. And I was like, all right, you can see him if you will tell me the truth about what took place and why. Because her excuse for me being in foster care was that this, the government, the state, paid her boyfriend $10,000 to come beat her up so they could take the kids. I was like, that's not what I remember. <laughs> that's not, I remember a lot of it, lady. So uh, I was like, I'm a, grown, I'm a grown up now. Like, I don't have time for these childish things. Like, I have a son, I have a life. I, I, if you can tell the truth, you can come around. Tell then, don't call me back. And I have not received a call back. Wow. So she's still alive? I don't know. I, I, I got okay. cast for a TV show called Relative Race probably about two and a half years ago. And they're trying to find her. And the odd thing was, they're like, the, the guys came back. We're like, this is the first time. Like, we don't, like, not find people. But, like, we can't find her. Like, wow. she has no death certificate. So she's still alive. But, like, we legitimately cannot find this woman. And so, so she's somewhere out there. Man, dude, so I was reading on your website that up to 50% of kids placed in the system will end up homeless upon emancipation and 75% of prison inmates in the U.S. are former foster kids. Yeah. So, you know, you know, I'm thinking just all that you went through and, you know, there was some abuse when you were in foster care and even torture, I think it was the word that I heard. Yeah, man, weird things. How did you how did you get to this place where you are this healthy, well-rounded, happy, at least you look happy. I'm a happy uh, guy, man. Yeah. You look, yeah, you look super happy and successful. And, you know, like it's so easy because I did like landmark forum and mm-hmm. you, you, things happen to you and then you attach meaning to those things yeah. and it really jacks you up. And then that thing plays out in your life. Cause you're like, Oh, well I was, my mother gave me up because I'm not, you know, whatever, you could have attached a lot of meaning to that. And that could have really had some serious negative ripple effects in your life. Oh, yeah. yeah. And it didn't happen to you. And I'm just curious, like, how how you were able to overcome that. Was it, or did it? And then you went through some kind of process or therapy? That's part of it. Yeah, I, I wouldn't, I mean, therapy, that's interesting. How I mean, it wouldn't be like structured in a room therapy, you know, but there's life in and of itself has weird ways of therapy. I like that you kind of mentioned the, the aspect of uh, kind of going through it and, and uh, placing a meaning to it. Cause I think that was the biggest thing for me and everybody, honestly, I, at some points in time, I don't know when exactly it took place. I started grasping the different meanings and there's a statement somebody said is, Life has no meaning except for the meaning you place upon her. No moment has a meaning except for the moment of the, the meaning you place upon it. And so for me, I went back and looked at a lot of different situations in life, I think, just over the years. I mean, it, has, it wasn't like all one fell swoop, like all of a sudden my brain exploded like, oh, the secrets of the universe are here. It was, it was more of just little situations of, uh, of kind of, because I've had a lot of the crappy stuff happen, man. That's kind of the weird thing of my life and everybody's life, obviously. But it was always these, uh, these perspectives that allowed me to change. So at this point in my life, I look at everything with such a different uh, perspective. I think that's the thing is everybody sees it a certain way and I find different nuances. Like some of the ones that allowed me to forgive my real mom, for example, were like this, this realization 
<clears throat> that you can't, like someone said, you can't get mad at a zebra for having stripes, right? It just has stripes. You can't get mad at it. And the thing is, is my real mom, she's a loopy bird, man. Like she, she is what's called a pathological liar. So she doesn't, like she'll make things up and believe them to be real. I at one point was being told that she was like the, a NASA astronaut, that she founded Apple, that she was a Mensa member. And, and I believe them full heartedly, like as a kid, I believe them because she said it to me. In the age of like six to like 14, she just made these things up and I gobbled them up like they were breakfast, man. Wow. And then you start getting to the point where you later on realize at this point, I'm like, man, she just was never given the tools to be a good mom. Mm. Like her mom and dad are, are loopy too. I did just, they're not, they're not sound of mind. So what do you do? You get mad at somebody because they didn't, they didn't have the upbringing, you know, like it, right. it sucks. But what I realized is she wasn't doing things and most people aren't doing things to maliciously hurt us right they're doing things that are selfish to help themselves be better so in her mind it was going to help her not be stressed out with the kids or maybe it's not to be better for us to be in different families because she couldn't handle it whatever it was she didn't purposely say i'm going to put this kid in foster care so people will starve him and beat him you know like that wasn't the thought behind it yeah it sucks that it happened and so if i was to carry that all throughout my life well then i perpetuate that into my children and then I have to live every moment of my life in dark, like in an, an emotional darkness because of something that I had no control over and I can't change. Yeah. So it wasn't my fault. So when I started having those realizations uh, and I placed them in, in places for other you know, situations, I had, you know, marital issues and I've had stuff with my other parents. Like I said, you have stuff happen. Mm -hmm. You just get to the point of like, man, I, I can genuinely forgive a human and not just say it, but genuinely forgive and be like, man, this person needs a hug more than they need like a punch in the face. It's mm, good, man. Like, yeah, that is something landmark says is life is empty and meaningless. I actually got mad when they said it because I'm like, no, wait a second. Hold on. Life has meaning. Yeah. I'm like, of course it has meaning. I'm sure it's in the Bible somewhere. I'm like, yeah. but they didn't mean that they meant like things happen and sometimes they don't mean anything. Sometimes they yeah. definitely, we we're trying to figure out what they mean. Mm -hmm. And then we put ourselves in these prisons that we a, a lot of times can't get out of. I have friends that are just, you know, <laughs> whatever, whatever political side they're on, they get yeah. created prisons and it, you know, you support this person and it means this and they, they get so filled with hate and, and, you yeah. know, separate themselves from, from people that love them ultimately. Yeah. And it's, it's sad actually. Yeah. The place it's like, I, I hear people say, well, this person didn't do this which means they meant this. Like, no, it doesn't mean that. It just means that it didn't do that thing. Whatever else you put on there, even the reason why they didn't isn't the same reason that you're thinking it is. Well, I was I talking to recently? It was like, you know, this person, they, they don't care about me. Da, 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 da. And I was like, well, how is that? Well, because they didn't do this thing. I'm like, you can't extrapolate that into them because they didn't do this. It meant they actionably and purposely were trying to do this to you. That's yeah. a really slippery slope. You can just make anything up in that bubble, but that's not what yeah. it meant. It just, it simply meant they didn't do this. They could have forgot. They could have had something else going on in the day. It doesn't mean they were like, I want to make your day bad, but people do that and they will live from that space and you can't convince them other lives. Yeah. No, it's so you can't judge people's intention. You know, like when you, the moment you start trying to judge someone's intention, then you can make anything mean anything good or yeah. bad. If they mm -hmm. do something good, you're like, oh, well, of course they did something good because they're trying to do, 
or if they you love me, they'll never yeah. hurt me. So you can't do any, you're screwed either way. When someone tries to judge your intentions, Yeah. it doesn't matter what you do because they can twist it and make it mean whatever they want to make it mean. So yeah. it's like even a good action, you're just kind of screwed either way, you know, with, with a person like that. And no one wants people to judge their intentions. You know, yeah. everyone wants you to like, or you, or they want you to judge your, I'm sorry, they want you to judge their chances. So meaning even if they screw up, you're like, but look, I was trying to do the right thing. Yeah. You, know, you don't know your heart. Yeah. It, it's, you know, it's, it's fine. As I'll, I'll never know somebody's brain, man. That's, I think that's the biggest thing. Even in my like marriage, love my wife to death, but there's things where she'll get mad at me. And I'm like, you can't, it's like, I don't want to say you can't get mad. Like I, my brain doesn't do that. Like that's not what my brain does. I wish it did this. Like I wish it would see that the way you see that, but I'm sorry. My brain just doesn't work that way. Doesn't mean I love you any less. Doesn't mean I love the kids any less. But my brain just doesn't click over the way that yours does for that thing. And so it's like when you can give people grace for not being who you want them to be in your head, like it makes the game so much easier. Like I, I think there's a statement I heard is I am not responsible for the person that you've created me to be in your head. Mm. Like I'm responsible for me. And once you get a chance to understand me and you grasp it, like if you know my heart, you know, my, my true heart of intentions and how I would do things. Look through that filter, not the filter of your emotion in that moment. Because in that moment, you might be in a bad mood. And it's something I did maybe this bad thing now. And it's like, no, you know my heart. Like, you know my emotion. I would never actually do that. You know that. So don't twist the words. Don't turn it that way. But people do these things. They do. And it, it, it's sad because it's like community is so key, you know, like to getting to becoming the best version of yourself, to reaching your full potential. Like, you know, the more, more good friendships you can have, the higher you're going to climb faster, even, you know, which is mm -hmm. I often think about the verse in the Bible where Jesus is like, Hey, look, if you're presenting your, you know, your gift at the altar and you remember that your friend has, your brother has something against you, go and be, leave your gift. Don't even give it. Don't be religious. The, like the, don't the, just go be reconciled to your brother. And like people don't do that, you know, especially in the church, they just sit around and gossip about each other, but it's like yeah. community is so key, you know, like love God and love people. It's like the only two commandments. If we could just get those two right, we'd be good. You know, like good. But probably I think people don't love themselves. How you love somebody else? You can't love yourself first. Yeah. So that's a big think, piece of it, man. Yeah. On your website, you said you were pretty self, you were a self-aware kid. I feel like that might be your, like your greatest gift because if you're just arriving at this place like hey all these really bad things happened to me as a kid but they didn't mean you know that i'm bad or not unworthy or whatever like they didn't mean anything like i don't think that that's normal that somebody has that level of self-awareness without no. going i mean i don't i don't think i had it as a kid as much i think it, it was probably more like my adult years i don't even know when it was probably around like to be honest probably no more than like 2014, 15, when some of these realizations started settling in. But I also, at the time, I was, I, I think it was always naturally there because I wasn't, I wasn't even like angry then. You know, I still lived a happy, joyous life. I think the logical side of what I emotionally was feeling and the words kind of came together around then. But I don't know, man. I just never liked the feeling of just being in that darkness. I think that's the thing is there's that, that statement of the evil you know is better than the evil you don't. Mm -hmm. So some people will float around inside of that evil that that's just there. I know it. I, I, they get accustomed to it. They say you're addicted to your struggle. And I, after a while, I was like, why do I got to have any evil whatsoever? Like, I don't want any of it. I don't want the evil I know. I don't want the evil I don't. I just don't want any evil. So what does it look like to live in a place outside of that and not have to 
to like embrace all the crazy that everybody else tries to put into my life. So I just started doing my own thing, man, and live my own life and making my own meaning and really just trying to do different than was done for me. And, uh, and that was kind of the, the progression for me. So yeah, it's, I guess it's not normal by any means, not even for foster kids, but for anybody, but I, it's probably a reason as to why I believe in doing what I do or why I'm cut out for this in the first place. Is there a process? Cause I think people want steps, you know, like they're saying, okay, yeah. well, that's amazing. I'd love to get to that place where mm-hmm. I'm not hanging on to the past or I'm not angry or, or whatever. Yeah. But versus just flipping a switch or being born with an amazing amount of self-awareness, which I'm still believe maybe that was part of the gift, but is there a process? Like, is there like, well, okay, look, man, this is what I do. I write gratitude every morning. All right. Mm. Um, you know, meditate or is there, is there some tangible steps that people can follow to get to that place? Uh, I'm sure that, oh yeah. I mean, it's not something I've studied, but in my head, if I was to go through, like, I'm just like literally recounting in my head what like would look like. This isn't something I teach. I mean, the work that I do is an identity and, and a heavy deal of it is, is wrapped in that. But like, I don't go into like forgiveness and self-love and that kind of thing. It's not an area, but I do discuss it a lot. Like it's a conversation I constantly have. And I think some of the things for me were, uh, were early on realizing that I have control over my feelings based on actions that I take. I think there's this feeling for a lot of people, what anchors the pain is this helplessness. This, this happened to me. I could do nothing. I can do nothing. Why even try? Right? Like, why even, like in relationships, people have somebody cheat on them. Why even try? I had no control over it. It just, it just happened. There's nothing I could do. Why even try to be good? Why even try to keep this job? I got fired. I had no control over it. So people, they don't want to be, you know, putting effort in something they can't get no control over. And I think for me, I realized early on, I always got to control, man. Like, even if it's something that you control, I got control in a sense of how do I show up in the way you need me to, to where I'm indispensable. Football was big for that. Football was this thing where people are like, what do I, who do I got to talk to? Who do I got to be? Who do I got to, what age do I have to have? No, no, no. How good do you got to be? How good do you got to be so nobody will take you off the field? Mm. That's the key. Like, how can you be so powerfully phenomenal for that person's needs in that position? They'll never take you off the field. Now, you got to choose what, what field to play on, what game, what team to be on, right? You can't just go in and say, like, how can I be the best Buffalo? Because you're not Buffalo. You know what I'm saying? Like, figure out where they really need a Buffalo if you're a Buffalo. But the idea is, like, for me, I look at when you start this process, first realize you got a ton of control because that'll kick you into a position of hope. Like there's, a, there's a, a space that hope creates if it's consistent and ongoing that is unshakable, man. It's an unwavering thing. For me, I have a creepy optimism that comes from this perspective of I have a control. Like I can control situations or at least control my, my role in that so that if it does go wrong, I don't feel bad. Because I can literally be like, you know what? I, I did everything I can. Like I did everything humanly possible and you didn't. So I'm okay. I don't feel bad. I'm gonna move on with my day. You got to feel bad about this one. And so I think that's part of it. And that can give you alleviation of some of the, the pain and anguish in relationships and work and in self issues. Like there's just some certain issues that people got to navigate. And I think the self-awareness for me, um, if you talk about that also comes from understanding and accepting that we suck. That's a big piece of it too. Like we suck in certain areas. We weren't given all the tools. There's a lot of things that I've busted break in life and have busted and broken in life, but I wasn't given the right tool, man. That's like yeah. saying, go build that house with a hammer. Like I need a saw and I need nails and I need wood. Like I need a lot more tools. Mm-hmm. And, and when I realized for a lot of people are judging themselves based on the fact that they don't have this outcome. When really, if you look at it, why, why should you have had the outcome? Like relax, mm-hmm. give yourself some grace, man. It's, it's, you're going to, it's okay. Like, so go garner whatever information you have, learn the tools you have, 
give yourself a little bit of peace to suck at something and then figure it out. And I think for me, like those are my self-awareness pieces that are really big is, uh, is try to gather the information and details about, about people and what goes on and the control I have. Right. And then on top of that, realize like I wasn't given the tools, but what I'm doing now is I'm just trying to get them. Yeah. Go through stuff, break things. I'm not a failure because I've failed. I just tried this thing out with what I was given and I learned what tool I needed or I got that tool. Let me apply it again. And I kind of get this weird, uh, I, I, I play a game with life, man. That's what I tell people all the time. I said, I play a game with life. And the game with life is life tries to knock me down and I see if I can get back up. And, and at this point in time, I have some really heinous, crazy things I, I come across or happen. It's weird. And I kind of get this weird, like grin on my face, like, all right, life, here we go again. <laughs> like, so far I've won, man. Like, so far you've, you've tried. Hey, you have tried, but hey, so far I've, I've come out on top. Let's go again. And it's a weird puzzle I get to solve. And I look at life as a puzzle, man. I think that's the thing is I enjoy puzzles and life is just another big puzzle. And when you can understand the moving pieces and, uh, and you find out how to operate in your best skill set in that puzzle, man, you can win. You can solve the puzzle. That's good. Yeah, I mean, I think I... I don't know if it was Tony Robbins said, life is not happening to you, it's happening for you. That's a great perspective to think yeah. about. Like everything that's happening to you is happening t- so that you can have what you really want. You know, it's preparing you for that that thing versus like, you know, falling into the well is me attitude. Mm-hmm. When you were talking about the hammer and not having the tools, I, I actually was thinking about that earlier where it was like where we attach meaning to things like, oh, this person did this, so it means that. And it's yeah. like, I think a lot of times it's just like we're all going through life with limited tool sets and we're just trying to, you know, we're we're tripping and stepping on each other's toes and we're just failing at things. People are doing their best with what they have. And then now we're attaching meaning to that thing when it's like, no, man, they they don't have a saw, you know, like they're, they're trying, but they just don't have that thing or, you know, and it's, when you really look at it like that, I think you're just a lot more likely to give people grace. You, know. you build a house differently. There's, I think someone told me, you know, that man, man, Will Smith had that story about one guy. The guy's building bricks. What are you doing? I'm just, I'm just building something. What are you doing? I'm laying bricks. What are you doing? I'm building a cathedral. Like, there's a perspective. Like, some people are like, while they have the same tools and lack thereof, some people are up there frustrated and sweating and cursing and just trying to build this thing. Some guys will walk around the, 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 the yard with, you know, whistling and swinging a saw and like, I messed it up and we get different. There's a different perspective because they're, they're building something different and there's not this anguish over the failure in the moment or what it's not just yet. And so for me, like I'm the guy just whistling along, man, doing my thing. I'm, I'm, I'm breaking stuff and fixing things. My life is no easier than anybody else. If not, it may be harder because when you have success, you just create more problems. <clears throat> so I'm, I'm creating more problems in my life just this is how it happens, man. But in the problems, you find that it's, it's a gift to have a lot of these problems. It's a gift to have to figure out how do I not pay the government more money because I make more money. It's a, it's a gift to figure out how do I navigate these situations with my kids because they get to go to private schools and I got to make their life suck a little bit because it's just too good. Like, these are good problems to have. And so I, I deal with them and some are really frustrating but I do with like this, this like kind of perspective of like, man, it's a blessing to have this problem. Yeah. I love that story about Will Smith. Actually, I, I have a course called Unleash the Best You. It's a six-week course. And I included that video of Will Smith because he talks about taking each brick. And he's like, you just lay this one brick as perfectly as a brick can be laid. And he's like, eventually you have a, you know, whatever, a wall or a cathedral. Um, yeah. That's it. But I, I read Arnold Schwarzenegger's biography a while back. 
and he talked about basically everything Arnold did. He did with vision. He would visualize where he wanted to be. You know, started out when he was in Austria. He he hung up pictures of these bodybuilders on his wall, and he would then he would work out like four or five hours a day. He he like imagined himself standing on the podium, them raising his hands up, what it was yeah. going to feel like with everybody looking at him when he won, and. And he, that's what he did with, with Hollywood and the, being the gut before the governor of California. He just visualized it so clearly in his mind. And then he just went out and did it. it and um, he, it. He, he said when he was in the gym working out, when he would work out four or five hours a day, everybody else would have these like grimaces on their face. They were just mad because of all the pain they had to put themselves through to get in the shape that they needed to be. And he said, I always had a smile on my face. He's like, I was, cause I, he, he's like, I knew every rep, every set was just one step closer to that goal. And I'm like, man, that is, that's such a great perspective. Cause you know, ultimately you got to do it anyway. You know, you got, you got to go through the shit, whatever, whatever shit it is to get to your, so you might as well, you might as well enjoy it. I tell my kids the same thing. Like it's, it's going to take place. Find a joy. I tell my, my youngest, like we're doing workouts and like, he just wants to get through it so fast. And like, I don't want to do these pushups. And I'm like, dude, find a joy in the pain. The moment you find a joy within the, the hardships, like it will be so much easier of a life. My marriage works better because I can find joy in the pain. There are so many things my wife wants me to do. And like I, the strength of us is that I adapt. I'm not a pushover, but I adapt to what she wants to do. You want to do this? Cool. Like I don't, I don't have a, a care in the world. Let's just go do that thing outside of whatever I need done, which isn't much. Like, let's go do it. But like there'll be things where like I'll go and I will purpose to like, I'll just be happy. They're like, how are you happy? Like, I found a joy in it. I purposely tried to find something joyful in it. And what you go looking for, you will find. Yeah. You go looking for a reason to be angry or have anguish or disdain. Like you'll find that quickly. If you go looking for something to be happy about and find joy in, you'll also find that quickly. Yeah. Oh, that's a great transition actually. Cause I wanted to talk to you about this. So you were, you know, you were raised in a all white family, at least from the age of 14. And I imagine that gives you, a different perspective when you look at the racial divide that's happening right mm-hmm. now in the country. And, and when I see people for the most part, I, I haven't talked a lot about it. When there was the blackout Tuesday, I posted the black, the black square more mm-hmm. because I, I wanted people that were hurting to know that I empathize with their pain. You yeah. know, like if you're hurting, I, I, I'm hurting with you. Um, but you know, for the most part, I haven't really, I haven't said a lot about it because I feel like there's value obviously to, you know, bringing issues to light, you know, injustices of any kind. But when you focus too much on something, um, I don't know that that's, that's healthy because then it starts to, you find things that you're looking for, like you just said, you know, so I have friends that are into flat earth, you know, and they get so far into it. And I'm like, they, they, they start, you know, not f- taking care of their responsibilities and not focusing on the things that they really have control over and can change. And they get off into these weird things. And it's like, look, you know, I don't know if it's true. It may be true. You know, I don't know. I don't think it's true, to be honest. But it does, how does it impact my life is what I'm – it's like, is it going to change something for me? So, like, how do you feel – do you feel like – the conversations that are being had now, are we paying too much attention on it? As, as I guess the question. Yeah, I mean, it's no too much. It's the same. I mean, it's interesting. We can tie into the same conversation. There is no right or wrong too much, too little. It just is the conversation. 
it's and so it's funny this ties into the work i do with identity of like you know social identity theories and, and role identity theories and and it's a, a lot of it's a matter of, of how does somebody identify and that i mean that you could even tie and we do science will tie success to identity and i think the thing is when we see a lot of people today dealing with our stations of where do we stand as well who are we you know the, the racial issues a lot of it is, is people don't grasp that, that, that it's not just their thoughts being attacked. It's not your buddy's flatter thoughts being attacked. It's the fact that he has spent so much time and energy invested into something that if it was for nothing, he would feel horrible as a human because he will have thought he'd wasted time. So they're, they're not protecting just the concept. They're protecting who they are now, their identity now. And when you attack someone's identity, if I'm a mom or a dad and you say, you're not a dad, what am I going to do? Puff my chest up, fight you on that. I'm a dad. Look, I got a kid. This is a, I spent time wiping diapers and butts and taking kids to school. And like, I've spent, don't, how dare you, right? Right. There's an investment and the, the return is I'm a dad. And so the concept that a lot of people are running into with the social aspects, whatever it is, is you have a, a duality and it's a really scary thing. You have on one side of each fence, this is, Black person, white person, age doesn't matter. On one side, I have who I see myself to be. I say for white America and white privilege, I see myself as a good white guy or good white girl. I would never hurt a fly. I love people, da 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 And so when the world comes in and says, look, you got this privilege that's made it easier and you haven't purposely done it, but it's been disenfranchising other you know, demographics, the identity is being protected, not so much the aspect. I don't think people really 100% all of them are like a racist. Let me, some are, no lie. Yeah, obviously some people are like, I don't like black people. Okay, yeah, you're racist, right? right. But some people like they're, they're seen as that because what they, what they retort with is all lives matter or um, you know, you have the same opportunities. There's no such thing as racism because what I have to do is I have to do one of two things right now when it comes to my identity. One is I have to go out and I have to pretty much assume that you're correct and it takes me down i feel less than i feel small in my identity and because of that like it's a pain i don't know how to deal with it. it's a certain kind of guilt that was not purposely placed like how do you feel guilty for something you didn't do on purpose you know what i mean like and then people attack you for it so you don't know what to say and you can't say words out loud right now and then or the other option is you demonize the opposition so you can keep your foothold so most people, they demonize the opposition, not, not doing it to make the other people feel bad, but to hold their position. It's the same conversation we had from before. It's not this thing to make you all feel bad, but it's to make sure I don't feel bad. Right. And so I see it in a lot of our society right now, like, yeah, the conversation is crazy and people are talking, but a lot of it is based around like, how do I keep my position? How do I hold my foothold? And that's why nobody wants to listen to anybody else because to listen to somebody else would mean that I have to take a little bit of a chip off of who I am off my block. And I don't want to do that. God forbid I ever have to feel bad about something. And it's a weird conversational dynamic on both sides. Because in black America, same thing. White America is like, you had opportunities and we open these doors. And then the position of I'm disenfranchised and I didn't have opportunities and don't have X, Y, and Z. It's like, I get that. Because yeah, 100% institutionalized racism existed. You know, if you want systemic racism exists. I do have opportunities. They are just harder for me as a black man. It just has been harder. There's just different conversations I have to have, different ways I get looked at, ways I <clears throat> have to think about what I wear when I go outside and, you know, groups I go into. So mm -hmm. it's like, that's, that's something that I'm aware of. And so I, I also realize like, I can't get pissed at everybody. 
I got to find a way to work differently. And so I don't, I, I will secede my identity to certain aspects. Not that I'm losing myself, but I will see the ego portion of it so I can work. Because if not, I could easily still be broke and unhappy and sitting there blaming other people and being mad because it's this issue arises and this issue exists and it does exist, but like, I don't want to be there. So right, right now I do got to work out of it and I'll make my, when I get to the top of the mountain, then I can make my statements and I can make my claims and I could yell and shout and complain. But we got to get to the top of the mountain right now because nobody listens to the person down at base camp, you know? And so it's like, but this is again, a, a back and forth weird position in our, our racial you know, you know, climate right now. And I look at all of it, like, we all as a society, the, the most important thing we can do right now all is have personal growth. That seriously, I think that is the massive, like the big key because the personal growth will allow you to simply listen and have conversations and like not anchor down in something that you've been doing for 50 years because you've been doing it for 50 years. But yeah. like, hey, like that's, that was crappy back then, Bob. Like it's still crappy now, Bob. Just because your grandpa did it and you did it, it's all you know, and you got friends that do it. You don't want to be ostracized by your friends. Doesn't mean you're batting the hatches down and, and keep you know, using swear words and, and racial epithets. Like you don't just keep doing that just because you've been doing it for a while. You know, like that's kind of, and you don't just demonize all white people because you had some bad run-ins and because of you know, a, a bad society that, yes, exists. Like, that doesn't help anybody because we all... We all want a peace. We want this calm. We want, you know, white America who's frustrated. They want it to go back to a calm, peaceful, you know, go to the grocery store, there's no heat, right? Black America wants to go back to a society where it's not having to write and that we, you know, I don't know, back to get to a place where there's equal aspects. And, and I don't think any of us get there when we just keep yelling at each other all day. Yeah. We're just going to keep spiraling up. If anything, the country's way more divided than it's ever been, or oh, maybe maybe not than it's ever been than it's ever been in my memory or my lifetime. Yeah, so Outwardly, the fact publicly. that yeah the right the the fact that everybody's so focused on it it makes people more racist, not less racist. Like my yeah. my the way the way I've handled it personally is I've chose to ignore it. I hang out with my friends of all different races and colors. We take pictures of us having a good time. And I just like, look, you know, I think it was Morgan Freeman. I watched in a video where he talked about, you know, how to make it go away. Stop paying so much attention to it. And I, I kind of agreed with him. Like, I'm like, I don't think that, I mean, you're just talking about it. And, you know, the, and of course the media, I just feel like they're behind a lot of it where they just drum yeah, it, they up. Spin it up. Yeah, yeah they spin it up because of ratings or whatever. And it's like, yeah. I don't feel like that is the way out. Yeah, I mean, we need to talk about it, but I feel like when you pay too much attention to something, anything, you're going to find evidence for it everywhere. Like literally, I'm not saying it doesn't exist because I do believe it exists. I, I you know, I, I drop a, a good friend of mine off Willis every day in the hood, you know, and it's predominantly black. And, you know, like when your great, great grand, grandparents were, you know, dealt that deck of cards and then it's being, you know, the time. Yeah, it's perpetuated. And not only that, but it's, it's the pervasiveness of the fact that, like, the deck is stacked against you. You know, there's a mm -hmm. there. And then you start believing that, that uh, the victim mentality and then you don't you lose hope. Like you just mentioned hope where you're like, well, if the if the system's rigged, then I can't because, you know, you don't believe that you can. You know, like if I look at my own life, my mom was 14 when she got pregnant with me. My dad never paid child support. My mom had an eighth grade education. We grew up a block from the projects. I could you know, I've said, well, shit, 
the numbers for someone like me to succeed are pretty low. So, yes. you know, that becomes my, my out, you know, versus like saying, look, we all, it might be harder for you. You know, you might have to work a little bit harder, but you can do it. You live in the greatest country in the history of the world. You know, 45 million people every year waiting to get in America, like, because they call it the land of opportunity. I see, you see people come here from other countries. They don't speak the language. They have no family here. They know no one. They're penniless and they make it. They make, they open businesses and make millions of dollars. And, and we want to say the system doesn't work. No, the system works. You know, if, 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 if anybody couldn't succeed, somebody like that should not be able to succeed here if it was the system's fault. Now, yeah. are all those things you said true? Yes, I do believe 100%. Racism exists everywhere. It exists in all white countries and all black countries. You have tribes mm-hmm. in Africa killing it's each other. Forever, yeah. Right? The tr- tribes are killing each other. They're racist yeah, against another tribe. Yeah. This is a sin issue, not a, not a skin issue. Like, there, it's mm-hmm. our sinful nature that makes us do this stuff. But... To, to say like, I mean, we're at the point now where like, they're just want to burn the whole thing down. You know, like, what are we going to do? Yeah. Like, just say the system. No, we live in a great country. And it's almost like people, they don't see the acres of diamonds around them because yeah. you want to well, focus you only, on what 5% of Americans ever leave the country every year. So only thing you're gauging everything off is what's happening in your own hometown or your local news and, and the people that you know. And I think that's a big part of it too. Is it's I think education is a massive, huge piece of it. I think where a lot of us are misinformed and miseducated, because you got to think. I don't. It's interesting you said that racism uh, is worse now. I don't think it's worse now. I just think it hasn't. It's like no one's had a reason to stoke the fire to see who's really got those those feelings. This mm-hmm. has just allowed people's feelings to get anchored deeper. I'm sure you've had some people flip over because you know somebody goes out, you know, does some weird hate crime because some you know. So yeah, right. it's happened. But I think a lot of these these dormant thoughts that no one had a reason to actually talk about. And I think it's just, it's brought the conversation. I think Jay-Z talks about how, you know, Trump to an extent was good for those who think he's a racist. And I don't, but I, I think that they think he's good because it brings all these hidden feelings to the surface for people to have to deal with. Mm-hmm. And and I agree that that part of it is you don't focus on it, but for some people they can't not, I get that there's a perspective of like, if I want to fix this, I can't, give it all this heat, I got to operate a certain way. But then it's like even floating back to that, just operating and not thinking about it. You then go back to somewhere the systemic issues arise. Like then no one's, you know, you know, checks and balances on why there's so many more black incarcerations and so many more, you know, police officers that are doing X, Y, and Z. And, and it, but the thing is, is also on top of that, it's, it's odd. This is another thing. You have a system where the disenfranchised, they don't want to be in a position that they, that they, I explain it. Best way to say it, black people, a lot of them don't want to be cops. I don't know if that makes sense. They don't want to be judges. There's not this aspiration for that. These, those are bad guys, whatever. But then it's like, yeah, but then we're complaining all day that they're the ones, you know, doing X, Y, and Z. But what if we could fill up more of those offices with people that look like us? Absolutely. Even if it's even if they don't want us in there, you know, this is gonna for sure be I've seen videos of guys down south who are like Black Lives Matter, and there's dudes beating this guy, spitting on them with the sheriffs, two of them standing right there watching. That's like, that's their cultural thing. You're not going to go be a black police officer in, you know, in, in Vider, Texas or something. Like, it's not going to happen, you know? But there's right. certain aspects that we, if we, we've got to start building in those areas. And so, like, yeah, man, it's just, it's a tough, it's such a tough discussion because it is something that's been around for millennia, if you want to call it. It's been around since humans have been around. It's been racial issues forever. Yeah. We're in a society which is still the best country in the world. I fully believe that. Even if we have this craziness going on, which we do, 
other places are not great, man. They just aren't. I mean, they're good, but like I went to UK one time and I was, you know, walking around and visiting thing. And I, my wife didn't notice it. She's Filipino and Puerto Rican, but I go places and like, I'm, I'm dressed nice, walking in nice areas of uptown and everybody like it's, I'm from inside places, inside buildings. I have eyes following me. And like, it's these per puzzled, perplexed, like who in the world is this guy? Cause I don't belong in that position. Like I, I could tell. And then if you see every, most of the workers I saw out there, they what were, position you know, do you mean? Because the of the girl? Of, uh, no, no, no. Just the, uh, you know, the being able to, to shop in nice places had a nice oh, okay. on just, now yeah. I'm, I'm obviously I'm sure that there are, don't worry, there are obviously well-off African American, well, black people. I don't even call it African Americans, African UK. I don't know what you call it out there. You know what I'm saying? African Englands. But yeah, it was like, yeah, you, you go to the jobs and it's like most of the people that looked like me were working like the, you know, typical, like it's, you know, cleaning, janitorial, driving buses. They, they, same as would be here for to an extent. Mm. But I could feel I just I got looked at differently in Rome. People would drive by and like make monkey noises, you know, like this is this is not wow. just an, an American thing. Like this is just what goes on in the world. And so for me, it's like as much as people are pissed, it's happened in America, like it happens everywhere. But you don't know because you don't go anywhere. And, and then we just all we have is the news stations that are controlled by massive, weird operational things. Even our social media is censored. Everything that, that goes out, it's not all that can go out, you know? So yeah. we live in this weird vacuum that we think is the end all and gives the truth. And dude, it doesn't. My brother works in the military. He works in some interesting areas that I can't really discuss too much. But he's like, one of the biggest problems that we have right now are foreign governments infusing stuff into our media stream through mm. social media before they can be taken down fake accounts that post videos that just get steamrolling energy and the next thing you know the american people are up in an uproar he's like a lot of the things you see are seeing right now that are inciting anger they're not even from america wow you know i saw this video it was an old video i don't i want to say it was like from like the 50s or the 60s where they were interviewing this former like communist spy and he was talking about how they believed that the weakness in america was through the the racism, there's something with the racial tension and how you, if you could infect our, our thinking that it would eventually play out and we would just kind of destroy ourselves. Yeah. It was crazy. I mean, how accurate this thing from like 60 years ago is to what we're going through now. Yeah. And I would sure. totally would believe that, you know, that there's, you know, we look at what we did to the USSR. I mean, or whatever it was Russia mm -hmm. at the time where we got into the space race and we, you know, we forced them to bankrupt themselves. And then they went through some bad stuff after that. I mean, I heard it was yeah. like the wild, wild west in Russia where, you know, you could buy a, literally buy a baby or a kidney. Like it was like that. <laughs> I, don't, I would just, not doubt it, man. It was Russia's so like interesting monster. Yeah. It was just so crazy over their lawlessness and, you know, organized crime. And so, you know, they probably have some feelings about America that if, if they blame us for put, putting them through that. So I totally wouldn't be surprised if yeah. it was down, but you mentioned, uh, earlier you mentioned trump and you know i'm a trump supporter um mm -hmm. and but i initially i was a ben carson supporter i went to his rallies i met ben a couple times i yeah. read his book america the beautiful i love ben carson i love the way he thinks about uh he really has a firm understanding of the way america was supposed to be with term limits and flat tax and well flat tax wasn't you know that's his idea but i, I do like it and um he just really has a, gr a great understanding, I think, of, of what America sh can and should be. Um, 
and you know, Candace Owens, I'm a big fan of hers actually. And I remind, I'm like, for me, it's not race, it's ideology. It's the way yeah. you see it, mm -hmm. the way you see the world, the meaning like, look, there are certain things that exist only, but here's the way out. The way out is do the right thing and work your ass off. That's it. Regardless of how, whatever situation I was born into, you were born into, this is the way out. Do the right thing, delay gratification, you know, discipline. Like there's, there's certain principles that just work and it doesn't matter. I mean, yes, okay. It may be a little harder for you. I'm not going to say yeah. it won't be, but yeah. that is the way out for all of us. And I, that's why, you know, I'd vote for any of them. I, I, you know, Ben was my number one pick. When he didn't make it, I, I voted for Trump because yeah. you know I wanted an outsider in the office. But it, to me, it has nothing exactly. to do with skin color and everything to do with ideology. Because I've yeah. seen people welfare ruin their lives. When I would grow up in Brooklyn, I saw people in the projects. My mom was friends with this one girl in Social particular. System. She had three kids, three different fathers, and she got a nice and the dent. Listen. You know, they talk about the, you talk about the, a lot of the problems with, with the African-American communities, the fathers aren't in the homes, you know? So she had three kids, three different men, no, no father in the picture. Mm -hmm. One, one kid turned out pretty good. The other two are in, in jail and one of them killed somebody and is in, in jail for life. And, and she got welfare and never did anything with her life. She could have worked. She was, she was healthy. And mm -hmm. I just, I seen that they give you enough to do nothing. Yeah, just, just, an, just enough to yeah. do nothing. And then you, and then humans by our nature, we, we choose the path of least resistance for the most part, most of us. And if we're giving that opportunity, we will, and we'll never self-actualize. I just cannot get down with that, man. I, I, get it. I think there's a definitely perspective. I agree, <clears throat> but not, I wouldn't say I fully agree with it because there's like, there's like a duality in my brain. So I see that side, right? So I, I'm not a Trump supporter, but I'm not against Trump supporters. And I'm also not a like, I'm not even anti-Trump. To be honest, I, I would probably say it's a weird thing. Like I have probably 60% Republican views, 40% Democratic views. I agree with exactly what you're saying is there's the, the longer you, like if I tell my kid every day, clean your room, but then go clean their room, they never learn how to clean their room. Like they'll never right. clean their room correctly because I keep doing it for them. And so I get that. And I think one of the major problems you run into is like, there is a, an area for black America to go out and do stuff, but it is vastly harder. It just, yeah. The systemic racism is so pervading that it's just very difficult. Like there's areas that I would expect I would have no problem for me, but I, I I'm an educated, well-spoken, happy, joyous guy. But even I get, I, I get in moments where it's like, I, I just felt that like that was a, a black moment we'll call it in America. <laughs> and so I think what ends up happening is people will see, you know, guys and girls like me who are doing great. And then we even still get the, the back door. They get the, the long arm of it. You know, there's a story uh, I read about a guy who was the, uh, you know, he calls a story from the token black guy or something like that. And it's about this, this you know, he's a kid. He's, he's in the military now. And he's like, you know, I'm West Point, great and everything. And he's like, I still got kind of, you know, hemmed up and, you know, I get issues. So it's like you have these authoritative situations where there's a, a, a group in power, even if I'm doing well, I get those moments like, damn it, why even do well? Right. Why even try, right? So, so it's much easier to, like you said, path of least resistance. I don't know if all my work's going to turn out. I don't know if I feel like sacrificing. I got to pay bills. I don't want to lose this, this money coming in by trying to get this money over here. And it's not even always just a laziness. It definitely is sometimes. But it's like this back and forth dynamic of also, there, there's not a hope. There's not a beacon. It's not a North Star that looks like that can be possible. And there's not this lineage or generational like success that, that leads anybody to think like it could happen for me. Right. Like I'm just, I'm a weirdo in a sense of 
I operate in my own separate bubble, to be totally honest. I, for, for a few years when I was younger, I used to tell people, like, I feel like I'm raceless. Like, I'm just a – and then I, and as I get older, I'm like, that was very naive, Anthony. Like, you're not, <laughs> you're not, not a black guy just because <laughs> you don't feel like it today. Every day you're that guy, you know. But, but I, the perspective of that allowed me to work without having the, uh, the immediate connotations of what might go wrong. Because here's the other part of it is, if I wake up, like you said, every day thinking it's stacked against me and why even try, I'm going to think every moment's like that. When not every moment is like that. Yeah. There are some, but it's, it's far in the minority of it. There may be 10% of my interactions or you know, situations in my life have been that. Where 90% have been good people, no problems. I grind, I grow, I develop a skill set, I learn. And, and for me, I think that's one of the, uh, the things that we do need because I, I, I don't know Ben Carson's ideologies. I've heard some of Candace Owen, I think for her, and even like a Charles Barkley or certain people like a Stacey Dash, there's this, this immediate uh, from the black community, the moment that you don't agree with their viewpoints and you have to make them have to visit the fact that I could be wrong, which we talked about earlier, you're an Uncle Tom. And, and I feel like in the beginning, she actually had some valid points. And from the things I've saw as of late, I get when black community just ostracizes her, pushes her away. It's like, well, if you're not an insider, what do you become? An outsider. So mm -hmm. now it's the state which is like, well, if I'm out here, I'm just going to lean into it. And as human beings, we all desire acceptance. So her accepted group is not going to be the group that was black America as much anymore. So her accepted group, what do I got to say to get myself to be accepted? I think there's certain things that she says that are like, yeah, I, I get that, but that's super twisted the way you're making those words sound. So I yeah, get, she I get the pot. She's stirring the pot she, more. She does wow. a lot more, and, but it's okay because everybody need we as a society need these to happen. So these people to exist to have these conversations. So as long as this comes out, it's like then people talk about it. There's another blonde woman who works like in, I don't know CNN somewhere that went like the Trevor Noah show <clears throat> had discussions and like it, it's just, it's you stir the pot, and I'm like the pot stirs people get pissed at them. And that's their exact job. And I'm glad we do because it incites an emotion and it starts a conversation. And whether you agree with them, their ideology is 100% or not, at least you've entertained the ideology, which may yeah. give you a perspective that could adjust yours. So I'm not against any of them. I, I don't believe um, that what people think is like Trump's a racist and a bigot. Like, Maybe. I mean, he probably, I mean, he probably said some things, but at the end of the day, like he's just another guy in America. He, the he's president is yeah. most of the time a puppet. I mean, he's doing his thing. He was raised in a very rich white family. So I'm sure that he, he's probably having to battle all those years of whatever he was surrounded with, like, like yeah. anyone else that was, would have been in his position. But when you see him pass things, first off, record low black unemployment during his, his term, his mm -hmm. first four years, passed uh, uh, prison reform for people that are whatever, people that were locked up. I think there was something called red zones that he was uh, – highly influential in getting past like he's done a lot of good stuff and that's you know like you have to look at that record and say okay well a racist person doesn't do that you know but they the also weird things for me i'm gonna cut you off this is a one sure. thought and I'm, gonna, I'm gonna leave the seat yeah. and you go with this this is the one thing that throws because he hasn't a lot i've read he also has done not a lot and it's also cabinets and who knows but here's what i've always looked at if the, the way that I see a person held in, in uh, we'll call it great standings by certain groups tells me a little bit about the person. And I know he's denounced racism and, and that thing, but it's always odd to me that the racist white Americans see him as their poster child. 
the KKK, the right. So that, that I think becomes the far reaching problematic aspect for his, his area is if you are all great, why is it that all of these people hold you with like as their deity? You know what I'm saying? Like that, if everybody's like, Hey, it's the, the cannibalist King, like hell, ho, I'm not the can. I don't care about no cannibals. I'm not eating people. You know, I'd like denounce it. Like, bro, but the he same did. Time, he denounced it. He denounced David yeah. Duke and the KKK and all that. And there's a lot of black Trump supporters, man. There's a lot. And that's I've something I heard. I heard Candace say, and she said, uh, black Democrats become black conservatives or black liberals become black conservatives, not the other way around. Hmm. You know, like you, when you're, when you're black or even if you're in the inner city, you're, you're lower class white, you are Democrat by default because you think Democrat is the, is the party of the working man. Until so you I grew start, up, yeah. So I grew up. Yeah. And then, so at some point though, you get out of the brainwashing as what I look at it as like, wait a second. I don't, you know, like, I don't know if, if this is the answer, you know, like you look at Baltimore has been ran by Democrats for 60 some years and we're mm -hmm. like, not doing much better than we've ever done. If, yeah, if anything, you're yeah. doing worse, you know, people, people are moving out. There's a population exodus. Crime is through the roof, murder, new, setting new rate uh, records for the murders every mm -hmm. year. And they have no idea what to do about it. I'm like, I don't think that the answer is just, you know, defund the police. I don't think that that's no, the answer. I don't, either. I, and then I don't think of it from a race standpoint. I think of it as I need police officers. Yeah. I'd like them to know how to do their job. Absolutely. The world does every world, you know, government has them, but it's, it's, yeah, there's a lot. I only have like, we have like one more minute. I got on the yeah. podcast again. I've had yeah. to join a conversation for that, sure. We could probably do this all over again and keep going deeper into the rabbit hole. I'm sure. That's the piece that's missing to protect and to serve. That is the piece that they, they I think this, we do need that. We do. My, my best friends, a police officer, it's not this biased. It's more of like, like I, I bought a home in Texas and then the, the previous owner, for some reason, decided to go stop back by when I wasn't there. And like somebody saw him coming out of the house and it's like, who was I going to call? Like, you know, my black homies, Hey, roll up on them. Like, no, I need to call the police. You know, I'm like, Hey, and but, they were good. They showed up. They did a thing. So it's like, do we need them? We yeah. seem to have a, we have a better training. You just you train training. them. We need more people that look like the people that they're serving and protecting. We need more okay. of that. I think that will help it. I won't fix anything. It'll help the situation. Dude. Super fascinating conversation thank you so much for coming on uh just tell everybody how they can find you what you have going on i know you have some programs you have a book a couple books yeah uh the gps and then uh yeah, the gps other. planners it's a planner i got a book i'm writing now i'm still playing with the the, the title of it, whether it's going to be called identity shift or slower go but it's different but it's all about identity um i have coaching programs where i guide people through how to make an identity shift we didn't talk about much today which is totally cool but um, if you like me and, and any way you guys enjoy my thoughts, there's more to, uh, to what I talk about to be able to have people reach their full potential in life. Um, yeah, man. Go to Instagram at Anthony truck. You'll find me there. Yeah. I'm going to put all the links in the show notes when I post this. Um, cool. What's the future hold for you? I future mean, holds for me uh, in work, work career. Well, you're going to do the American Ninja Warrior. You're done with that. Uh, I'm retired with Ninja Warrior. I got a TV show. I'm going to Portugal to film here pretty soon. I can't say anything about uh, but the future, man, just, you know, living life and building, uh, building up the aspect of my brand from a, we'll call it a, a mental standpoint. I think most guys that look like me in my, my space, they're very powerful orators and they, they, they share thoughts. But the difference between me and the, my counterparts that have fair skin is they, they're teachers, man. They are phenomenal teachers and they get in and teach you things you can apply to your life. So I've, I've tried to do both. I'm, I'm a phenomenal order. I speak. 
But then I, I like to be able to say, here are my curriculum-based concepts you can apply to your life to where I can actually have a deeper reaching impact on people's lives. Do you do any acting? No, not yet. No, you know T.C. Stallings? Did you ever see War Room? Uh-uh. War Room? You never saw War Room? Never saw oh, War Room. It, it was a Christian it movie, but yeah, check him out. He's out in LA. I could introduce you to him. He's a, I would love an introduction. Yeah, he's, he's jacked. He actually played, uh, he wanted to be in the NFL. He played like mm-hmm. CFL and maybe Europe, Europe or something, but he was probably about your age. He's African-American, good looking guy. Gotcha. Um, anyway, I'd love to make an introduction. Maybe, maybe. Yeah, that'd be cool, man. Count me in. All right, we'll do. I'll, I'll do that on Instagram as soon as we get off of this. But hey, thanks again for coming on, Anthony. Really appreciate no your insights. Very welcome. All right, talk to you later, brother. All right, bye.